Hello, Scuttlebutt listeners. Today, I'm here with Nancy. Hi. And today, we are interviewing our esteemed guest, uh, a writer for Leatherneck, Kyle Watts. Kyle, how are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? We're doing great. We're happy to have you on our show. So if you don't mind, just uh, give the audience a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and how you wound up to be the illustrious writer for Leatherneck. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I definitely consider myself probably the luckiest person in the world right now uh, with this job. Uh, it's been a dream job of mine for a while. Uh, but I've been writing for Leatherneck for a little over 10 years now as a freelancer. Uh, started, I think it was back in 2013. That yeah, sounds about that, right. Yeah, I think that was my first story that I published for them was uh, July 2013. And um Wrote that as I was coming off of active duty in the Marines. Uh, forwarded that on to uh, Colonel Walt Ford, who was the editor at the time. And uh, somehow he, uh, I don't know, somehow he felt the felt the need to publish it. I still can't believe he did. But uh, thankfully that got the relationship started and then continued with Mary once she came on as the editor. And uh, been writing for him ever since. Uh, I'm originally from... Ohio. Um, my family still lives there. That's where I was born and raised. And now, by way of uh, some previous civilian jobs, I'm living in Richmond, Virginia, and we've been here about six years now. Awesome. So you did mention you served in the Marine Corps. Do you mind just uh, talking a little bit about your experiences, like when you got in, uh, any deployments you went on, and then uh, how did you go a transition from being a Marine to a writer? Sure. Uh, so uh, I served uh, on active duty from 2009 to 2013. I was a communications officer, uh, got out as a captain. Uh, no deployments during that time. I had kind of a unique uh, billet as the MAG S6 for Marine, Aircraft, Marine Aircraft Group 39 out at Camp Pendleton. Um, and yeah, basically just after I finished my training, got to go spend the last few years on my contract out in San Diego. So um it's not the not the worst way i guess to uh to spend uh spend some time on active duty but you know also i didn't quite didn't quite get to do everything that you know i, I guess i didn't join the marine corps to go spend uh two years in, in san diego but um so didn't get need to do everything that i had hoped to do i guess while i was on active duty but um that's okay uh before i was on active duty i had i got a degree as a history major um, which is kind of how I was able to get my commission uh, as an officer with a bachelor's degree. Uh, at the time, they basically just told me, you know, you need a degree, doesn't matter what it's in. Um, so I had always loved history, so that's why I changed my major to that. And uh, I just knew I didn't really feel like going back to Ohio and uh, living in my mom's basement anymore or something like that, I guess. So... <laughs> Uh, the Marine Corps sounded like a good option for me, and history seemed like a, just something that I would enjoy. Um, and then uh, while I was on active duty, uh, while I was still in Quantico, uh, I kind of had like a weird, I don't know, like four or six month period, something like that, between training evolutions. And during that time, they had me uh, work at the Marine Corps Museum, and I got to work in the armory with the, the uh, curators there. And so that was, I think that was probably like the first time where I kind of realized like, man, you know, my, uh, my interest in history and my degree, you know, could actually be 
used for something professionally, you know, not, not just like something that I enjoy or, or whatever. Um, so as I, you know, left that, went to California, you know, and then was starting to get, come off active duty, I guess I was just kind of looking for ways to, or exploring different options for how I could maybe use uh, my degree for a job. And I guess just initially just trying to build my resume a little bit with getting myself published was kind of my initial, uh, my initial motivation for trying to have a Leatherneck publish my work. And uh, none of that, of course, worked out because I spent six years in manufacturing, which is the furthest thing from history, but uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure you learned good skills, though. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah, uh, that was like a that was like a total culture shock and just in, 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 in every way that you can imagine going from active duty in the Marine Corps to being a supervisor on night shift in a warehouse or something like that. Yeah, that, that was just uh, it was a it was not the easiest transition to the civilian world. But um, somehow during that time, I, I just continued writing. I think the second I think the second story that I wrote is one that uh, Colonel Ford actually suggested to me out of the blue. I guess somebody had uh, it was a story on uh, the Van Orden family, three generations of Marines, and someone had recommended or asked to see that written, and he actually sent me that story idea and asked me if I'd want to do it. And yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah. So somehow I was just able to continue writing during that time, even though we were, you know, my my wife and I were uh, busy with the civilian world and uh, growing our family and everything. But um, yeah. I remember. Sorry, Nancy. Go. Ahead. Go. go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I remember that that Van Orden story, but I also remember I was a copy editor here at Leatherneck at the time. I remember your first article. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. That was about John Moses Browning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what I remember about that is when I first started editing it, I was like, wait a minute, why why are more of our writers not like this. I immediately loved your style. And I remember going to Walt and saying, okay, can we get him to write again? Are we going to see more of this? Because he's he's good. Um, <laughs> true story. Not just see, trying to inflate your ego. Well, uh, see, I, I read that story and I, I immediately want to throw it in the trash because it, it just was, it was very, it was a very academic, it, it, it's just, it's not, remotely close to what I like to write now. You know, that was, I didn't interview a single person for that. I just read like 20 books and tried to compile everything I learned together, you know? Well, that brings up an interesting point because uh, I, I sort of experienced the same thing when writing uh, for Gazette or Leatherneck versus writing uh, as a professional historian. Um, and a lot of journalists make good historians, but not, not necessarily a lot of historians make good journalists. How do you manage, I guess, to to write for a more journalistic audience despite being trained to be a historian? Sure. So I, I think for me, it's all about like writing about the, the the people and the individual stories rather than trying to analyze like like the 10,000 foot view of everything or whatever, um, you know, figuring out like the tactics and the 
you know, who who did what right or who did what wrong. You know, I I, I generally try to not care about any of that stuff. Uh, I just try to tell the story of the person who was there. And if I can tell the story of like five people who were there all together, that will give a pretty darn good picture, I think, of of what may have actually happened um, at whatever the event is that I'm writing about. So what what is your process from, you have a, a conception of an idea if you want to write an article, where do you start and then how do you get to the finished product like it, when it, it finally gets released in Leatherneck? So, I mean, I guess where I try to start is just to me personally, what what do I want to know about it? Um, you know, I, I try to figure out like, what are some things that maybe everybody already would have heard or, or, or might know? And if not, like how how do I tell that story? Like the 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 what are the main points that people need to know? I I I've told Nancy and 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 Mary this when she was here, but I always say that uh, my wife is my best editor because dis, dis, despite having uh, uh, been with me through my entire time in the Marine Corps, somehow she still knows like nothing about the the Marine Corps. So. Uh, I always just say that if I can get Bridget to understand, like, the the main point of the story, uh, then I've I've successfully written that story. And so if I'm writing like every single detail about what type of rifle was used and you know how many Marines were in the battalion and what battalion it was and what regiment they were a part of and what division they were a part, you know, just like all the, all the details that in the end, like, you know, they should be mentioned because they matter to identify who it was, but I guess they're not like the main point of the story, I guess, you know, trying to weed out some of those details, I guess, just to um, just stick to the main point of the story, which is usually whatever the story is that the the veteran is telling me. So Leatherneck has a pretty diverse array of, of audiences and, and people who read it. Who do you think you target specifically when you write? Well, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what, what kind of story I'm writing. Up, up until recently, a lot of what I've written about is Vietnam veterans. And... I think my my personal goal with that would be to try to reach some of the younger Marines, you know, maybe like you know my age and and, and younger, I would say, or, or or even just younger than Vietnam era. Um, and I think that would be my goal, just because I just I just feel like there's so much that's kind of unknown about the Vietnam War. Um, so much that, that well uh, you know these the w what i've experienced in speaking with these guys is just that you know they they kind of came home to a a country that didn't really want to hear their stories and and in fact even discouraged them from 
not, not even just telling their stories, but from even identifying themselves as having been in the military in the first place. Uh, and on top of that, um, you know, not even like a beginning understanding of PTSD or, you know, recognizing that, you know, they may need to talk through some of these things and, and, and things like that. So I just feel like a lot of the Vietnam veterans that I've had the opportunity to interview, you know, I'll, I'll speak with them, write about them, and then learn later that, you know, whatever they shared with me was the first time they've shared that with anybody. And it's just like, holy cow, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected that. And Kyle, you, you've talked about this before, but at, initially those Vietnam veterans were resistant to talk to anybody, even you. So can you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you, how you were able to break through that initially and, and get those Marines to trust you and how you continue to do that, your approach? Because I think it's really, it's really special to hear you talk about that. Sure. Um, so I, I mean, usually I can use my, uh, my good looks and, you know, nice white teeth and all, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I think that, um, initially, yeah, I'm just random, random, whoever Joe Schmo reaching out to these guys. So why, why would they talk to me? You know, why, why should they, I think that, um, uh, Having having even as a freelancer, having the name of Leatherneck behind me uh, certainly helped. Um, you know, if I if I truly was just whoever whoever I am reaching out to him in the first place, I don't think that would have went over well at all. But being able to present myself as a writer for Leatherneck, I think certainly helped. But even with that, um, you know, I'd had I had several uh, relatively tense exchanges just kind of still like, you know, the, the, the general attitude towards me is, who are you? <laughs> and, and, and why are you trying to ask about these things? Um, I think that kind of generally the way that I was able to earn some trust initially was just to try to be open with what I had in mind for the story, you know, how I wanted to write it and present it. Um, had a few good experiences interviewing people. Um, and then those individuals were able to kind of vouch for me, I guess, and uh, to some of their, their fellow veterans who I was trying to speak with. Um, and then after that, you know, I was able to actually once i was able to get some stories published then it became much easier because i could then say you know hey uh you know mr so-and-so a vietnam veteran uh i'm a writer for leatherneck i'd like to interview you about this story oh by the way if you're interested in reading something that i've written about vietnam veterans before here's you know here's a story that you can read uh because and I think that was that was a pretty key uh, step as far as being able to get my foot in the door because, 
you know, the perception even over 50 years later now is that media equals or press equals bad or, you know, anti, uh, you know, anti-military, anti-marine going to present their story in a negative light. Um, so once I was able to kind of show that yeah, that that would that was not would never be my intent. That definitely made it a little bit easier. Yeah, you definitely don't have exploiting your subjects as part of your agenda. And in fact, one of the things that I think as an editor that makes your your work for Leatherneck so special and so unique is that you are an advocate not just for Leatherneck readers, but you you're sort of the advocate for the people you're whose stories you're telling you're sure. you're kind of their 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 person yeah and that's it's been that that's been kind of eye-opening for me too as far as how how far that can go um you know like i i didn't even realize how um how much how true that can be um you know for, for example uh some of the stories that I've written in the past about some Vietnam vets, you know, one of the guys that I interviewed, um, you know, I was able to, to speak with him, write the story, have it published. And, uh, you know, he, he then came back and told me after it was published, like he, he gave the, once it was printed and he had the hard copy, like he gave it to his wife and she read it for him or she read it. And, uh, that was the first time she had ever heard or known the stories that he had told me, and she she uh, called him her hero. You know, it just wow. like hearing him say that, I was like, holy cow! You know, I, I mean, I just never wow. in my life would have expected that that I would have the opportunity to to hear some of these stories from these guys that, that they've never even told you know, their wives, their friends, their families, and then have the responsibility of writing it. And like you said, Nancy, kind of being, being their advocate, like, how do I, man, you know, then it's, it's so much more than just trying to make sure that I present it in like a, a, not a positive light, but like a, you know, making them look good type. It's it's so much more important than that. It's like, I got to get it. What's that? Is the authenticity what you're looking for? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. I got to get it right. <laughs> you know that that these this is a, these are stories that some of these veterans have carried with them for the last 50 years, and now they're they're willing to share it with me, and and trusting me to to share it with all of the the readers of Leatherneck Magazine. And I, I better I better get it right. <laughs> In fact, as a result of one of your stories, didn't you arrange for two Marines to have a reunion, Marines who hadn't seen or really, can you talk, you know exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah. You can tell the story so I don't have to stumble over my words. Sure. Yeah. That's definitely my, my, my favorite example ever was with the, um, the flying ladder story, uh, that I wrote. Um, you know, I, I spoke with, you know, primarily, uh, Bob Buddha and Dave Thompson were two of the, the, the main veterans that I spoke with on that story. And, um, you know, they the whole time that I was speaking with them, both of them kept mentioning the pilot that was flying the helicopter that rescued Dave and his force recon team off the ground and saved their lives. And 
um, you know, they, they kept mentioning the pilot and pointed me to his Navy Cross citation. You know, his name is Larry Adams, Lawrence R. Adams III. You know, I could see his name. I could read his Navy Cross citation. Um, but basically, since Vietnam, no one had ever seen or heard from him. And I just started thinking, like, man, it would just be so cool if I could find this guy. So I, I took a few weeks and I did some digging as best I could. And uh, somehow I actually found him through LinkedIn and I was able to reach out to him. And he was he was one of the one of the ones who uh, really did not want to talk to me. Um, but thankfully, uh, his lovely wife, Chris, was able to help convince him that uh, sharing his side of the story for a flying ladder would be a good thing for him. And so, yeah, I was able to call him and, and speak with him and interview him. And then after that, um, you know, not in person, but we were able to have like a, a conference call, uh, you know, it was like 52 years after the last, it had been 52 years since they had seen each other on that day uh, when Larry Adams rescued that force recon team and they were able to uh, reconnect over the phone at least and uh larry's wife chris joined us on the call and yeah, that was just a really special thing hearing them kind of talk about it remember it together and uh yeah just just reconnect that was pretty cool and you wrote about that for the magazine as well mm -hmm. yep and and the flying ladder story um because you're too modest that was your uh, award-winning article wasn't it yeah 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 so you, that was what year was that uh i think that 2017 was 2017 i think it was 2017 yeah so you were the the uh, marine corps heritage foundation robert heinel robert deb heinel award winner that year yeah so um very very impressive kyle you are too modest to say it so i'm gonna say it for you <laughs> we were all so proud of you and it was uh, a much deserved award because that story was incredible um and and beautifully told beautifully written and unbelievably you continue to top that month after month after month with just telling people's stories in such a william i'm going to steal your word in such an authentic way in such a way that um as a reader I, you know i feel like i'm i'm right there or or that i'm watching the movie of it or it's it, you have a real gift and a way with words. Um, Thank you. And we're really happy to have you here. <laughs> I love it, Nancy. You're really asking the, the very hard-hitting questions over here. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> Question number one, why are you so awesome? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. It's just, this is just a, a, a gush fest because Kyle, Kyle does such a great job and um, really leatherneck readers of all ages react and respond to his storytelling ability and and it's that storytelling I mean William it's what we talk about with Scuttlebutt all the time is it's not just it's not just hey this is what happened but telling people stories and and these there's this whole group of of veterans particularly the Vietnam veterans who as you said Kyle they they haven't told their stories and so they need someone to tell the stories for them and that's not so easy to do um and and kyle does that for us so kyle have you strictly uh 
touched on uh, with Vietnam veterans or have you done any other generations of veterans in any of your articles or interviews? Yeah. So, uh, well, well, first I, I, I appreciate the kind words, Nancy. That's very, that's very nice. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, I can continue uh, doing a good job. But it, it has been a challenge since I took on the the full time role as staff writer uh, because um, you know, I'm trying to write a lot more, uh, write a lot faster. And uh, William, to your question, definitely recently have taken on some other uh, some other eras of. Marine Corps vets, which has been really cool, and um, I think a, a good a good transition for me. Um, you know, in, in January this year, I think was my first. I think that was the writing about Marine Corps tattoos. I, I think it that was. Yeah. I think that might have been my yeah my first one um, interviewing some you know newer generation, um, and that was awesome. That was a lot of fun, and and then uh, after that, writing about Adam Crick and Goons Up with the Spirit of Barcelona Award. Um, that was also a lot of fun, but I think they were good. I think they were kind of good uh, stepping stones, I guess, towards writing about some of the, um, I guess you could say, like more heavy material, uh, you know, combat related stuff, uh, like with the Abbey Gate story uh that just came out uh this month uh in leatherneck um yeah that was i don't know a lot, actually you know one one of the guys um von Strait, who i interviewed for that story um i had it's actually the second time that i had interviewed him because i interviewed him and actually put a picture of his his body in the in january <laughs> with one of his tattoos and then you know, he was he was with First Battalion Eighth Marines uh, in Afghanistan, and so I interviewed him again for for this story. So, you know, I just I guess I say all that to say, you know, I think some of those more lighthearted and fun stories that I wrote kind of uh, opened some doors and and uh, you know introduced me to some some folks that then hopefully will allow me to continue writing some more of the more difficult things. Um, that these guys have been through, but you know it's, it's interesting, you know, about I think what I'm, what I'm seeing about, or what I'm learning as far as you know sharing their stories. You know, I think that, uh, I think it's just may it might just be like a marine thing as far as not. It's not that you're not willing to share your story, but it's just like, it's just like we're marines. You know, we don't. We You're don't, just doing your job. Yeah, and we don't need to, or we don't want to. This maybe it's not we don't want to, but we don't really need to because we're Marines. You know, I, I don't know. It's just it's just what we do. Um, but, and then I think it's also just interesting now because, you know, pretty most of the most of the guys and and gals that I interviewed for the Abbey Gate story. Um, you know, they all like had their phones and stuff over there. And so it's right. like the the process of sharing your experience going through something like that is something that you can now do if you if you want on Instagram as it's happening, you know. Um, so that's that's been that's been kind of weird, but I, I think there's a difference between 
like taking pictures and, and sharing them on social media and then coming home and having time to like kind of process it, I guess, and 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 then talk about it after the fact. You know, th those are those two things are definitely very different. Um, and so I just I don't know. I just hope that, uh, you know, I can find I hope that I will find that, um, you know, the younger younger generations of Marines are. Are at a point where they can, you know, feel comfortable and kind of analyzing and sharing their stories as well. But, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't had the chance to really interview many like Iraq and Afghanistan veterans yet as far as, you know, like early 2000s um, era. Uh, so I hope to, and uh, hopefully they'll be just as willing to share their stories with me. Well, since you brought up the August, the issue, the August story um, about the Marines who were at Abbey Gate, do you mind talking about that a little since, since that's, you know, that's our, our cover story this month. And um, you spoke earlier about starting out with the lighthearted things and then working your way into some of these heavier topics. So how then when you are covering a heavier topic like this story about the Marines at Abbey Gate, how do you how do you keep that from I don't know how to say it exactly. How do you how do you make sure that that doesn't weigh you down personally? Um well it does. You know, I, I like that I think you know that the Abigate story in particular is I mean there's just there's just not anything good about it, you know. It's oh, right. it's it's tough to it's tough to learn about, it's tough to write about. Um but nowhere near as tough as it was to experience, I guess. So, you know, for me, I th I think the uh the kind of the saving grace for me is that you know, I, I have the opportunity to to just share these the stories of these Marines who were there and you know, hopefully, hopefully I got it right. Hopefully, um, you know, I, I told it as best I could. Um, but, you know, I, I don't I didn't necessarily approach that story any differently than I did any Vietnam story or, or anything that I write, really. It's just just tried to just come up with some very, very general questions and and then shut my mouth and let them talk and just see see where the story went i guess <laughs> and and just a, a you know kind of shameless plug for the magazine and and for the job you did um i really encourage all of you who are listening to either go to the website and take a look at his story if you're a, a member and subscriber to leatherneck Pick up your magazine, but then go to the website. We have special members-only content within the digital issue of the magazine. And uh, Kyle, you, you made some connections with some of the combat correspondents who were there. And so we had the opportunity to publish some images they supplied for you that haven't really been seen by a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, really compelling. It's It's hard to look at some of those images and and um i mean there's no way you can't be affected just looking at those images yeah yeah i i was that was one thing that i was really pleased with for the story was that i was able to uh get in touch with 
Melissa Marnell. She's a, a gunnery sergeant on active duty now, uh, combat photographer. Um, you know, I just I saw her name on several photos and uh, several amazing photos, and it just you know occurred to me like, and you know her her job over there was to observe, you know, and 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 take photographs and. Like her job over there was essentially through photographs doing what I'm attempting to do through writing, which is just to document what happened there. Right. And so it just occurred to me like, uh, duh, she's probably like one of the best people that I could talk to about this. Um, so I was able to reach out to her. She agreed to speak with me. And, uh, you know, you can read the story to, to hear her words. But um, I think she definitely... Uh, added a lot of uh, powerful uh, voice to the story. Yeah, yeah, she definitely did. Um, so what uh, what advice do you have for a young up and coming writer who, who wants to write about um, anything really, but most specifically Marine issues or military issues? What is your advice? Boy, uh, I mean, I guess I would say just do it, you know, just just write. I mean, you're not going to get any better or you're, you're not going to hear any feedback if you don't just write and then give it to somebody somewhere, you know. Um, you know, that, that's what that's what I did. There, there was no magic formula. I'd. I'd outside of my bachelor's degree in history you know I, I haven't had any like formalized training on on writing or whatever um i just kind of started doing it because i had interest in it and then yeah submitted it to to leatherneck and it worked out and that's what i would i guess what i would recommend just if you have if you're wanting to write then just just do it and find somewhere that could maybe get published and that's i think how you're going to get the that initial feedback on your writing um you know at least outside of some sort of academic setting um but yeah to, to piggyback off of nancy's question what advice would you give to writers specifically uh involving interviewing either veterans or specifically marine corps veterans well, I think, uh, you know, I think maybe where that could apply would be, you know, maybe like there's some family members out there who have like a a, a father or a, a grandfather or something like that, that they, they're interested in learning, you know, their family member's story that maybe they've never heard. You know, I would just encourage them to just be willing to ask the questions um, and you know, if they're if their loved one isn't or if they're the veteran that they're trying to speak with isn't willing to share. Then maybe they just are waiting for the right time. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely had that, too. You know, people who uh, were uh, quite upset that I managed to, to find their phone number and, and call them because they didn't want to be found. And they definitely didn't want to talk to me about what they experienced. And that's OK. You know, they're they're not wrong in that um you know the, the people who do want to talk to me they're not right in that it, it, there's no there is no right and wrong it's just you know whatever's right or wrong for each individual um and yeah I, but for 
you know, for whoever's, you know, would be interested in writing to try to, you know, write about those sorts of things, I would just encourage them to just don't get in the way of the veteran who's trying to share their story. Um, don't come at it with an agenda to start with. Just be open-minded and have some general questions to ask and then let the veteran tell you the story. I don't, I don't, I don't particularly feel like I have any special skill in, in writing or whatever. All I literally all I do is take what these people tell me and and write it down. Like they could do that. They they would maybe do that too. You know, I don't know. It just just let the veteran tell you the story. Let don't interrupt them. Don't don't try to lead them with questions. Just just let them tell you the story and then it's probably going to be so much better than you could ever come up with anyway. <laughs> What's on your, I'm sorry, William, were you getting ready to ask a question? No, you're fine. Okay. I was just going to say, what's on your wish list for stories to tell people you'd want to talk to, like your dream wish list? It doesn't have to be Leatherneck specific. Um, that's a, that's a good question. That's a tough one. I guess I, I've been so kind of wrapped up with some of these other stories that I've been working on, you know, I, 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 maybe, I guess I don't totally have a wish list at this point because some of my wish list items have been knocked off already, you know, like, um, like as a freelancer for the last decade, I had like 30,000 ideas just like, you know, bogging my brain down and now as the 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 full-time staff writer it's like well i better write or i'm gonna get fired so i've been able to <laughs> actually work through uh you know a decade's worth of ideas that i have in my mind um probably the biggest one recently was uh writing a knife in a gunfight about jim stogner like that was definitely as soon as i saw him heard his story of receiving the navy cross i was like i have to meet that guy and write about him and i was able to do that um another one that is on my wish list which will hopefully be completed next year uh ever since the that second story that i wrote about the van orden family ever since i met uh george van orden who lives here in virginia um he told me about the minefield maintenance Marines down at Guantanamo Bay. Um, that seems like an a absolutely fascinating yet like barely known piece of Marine Corps history um, sure. that I've been wanting to write about ever since I met George. So hopefully that'll happen uh, this coming year. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, nothing immediately comes to mind, but I mean, yeah, I just feel like I've had this wish list in my head for so long and I just, I'm just so thankful I'm finally having the opportunity to, to get some of these stories out. It's our, well, the benefit is ours. Go ahead, William. Absolutely. So, but as we start to wrap up this interview, you mentioned something earlier that I want to touch on because it sounds like pretty awesome. Uh, tell me about uh, working at the, uh, the armory at the Marine Corps Museum. Like, what would you... What were your experiences there like because that sounds sounds like a pretty sweet gig to me yeah yeah it really was so um at the time uh 
you know, there were like, it was, I was there with, you know, three other guys that worked there, really two others full time. But, you know, the, so the, it, the armory of the Marine Corps Museum is actually on base and in, in Quantico. It, it's not at the, you know, the museum itself. Um, but I mean, they have like everything there, and, like any sort of, you know, firearm or edged weapon that you can think of from like a 13th century Chinese hand cannon all the way through, you know, an M16A4, they've got it there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty neat, you know, just being able to go there, open up the drawers, move the shelves around and just see like, like, oh man, you, you're wanting to, to learn, you know, what it was like to, to be, I don't know, John Bassalone carrying around a machine gun, you know, on Guadalcanal. Well, go pull it off the shelf and, and and see how heavy it is, you know, and just imagine what that must have been like or, you know, anything. I mean, it's just crazy being surrounded by the history there. And I just remember, I just remember like thinking like, man, like people get paid to do, <laughs> people get paid to do this. Like, like man, hit my history degree didn't have to just be like a like a last minute decision because I wanted to enjoy the rest of my college experience and then not go back home and do and do nothing, you know? Like I could actually use that towards something. Um now of course, you know, I didn't wind up in the museum field, but you know, still be able to to use my degree to some extent here, but yeah, that that was definitely a, a pretty unique and pretty cool experience. Any particular item that you know that any white whales that you were able to to to, to handle or or uh, use while you were there? I think probably the the first one that that stands out in my mind is they have uh, Rafael Peralta's M16. Uh, he was the the one who Navy Cross recipient um, had a grenade explode and basically so like the whole you know, side and handguard of his rifle is all, is all damaged. And that was one that was like, holy cow, you know, you're, you're holding a rifle that is all damaged. It's like, man, a man died while he was carrying this rifle in combat. You know, that that's the first one that comes to mind, but, but there's numerous things like that, that they have there. I was lucky enough to get a tour one day and the, uh, the item that piqued my interest on that tour was, um, Carlos Hathcock's hunting rifle that he learned his 22 that he learned to, you know, pick off squirrels and rabbits with. <laughs> and uh, so when, when they, when they let me hold that and, um, I, you know, that made me a big hero at home when I could go and say, haha, look at a picture of me with this. <laughs> um, but, but you're right. It's, it's incredible there. It's like this, this, uh, cabinet of curiosities of any sort of, firearm and then some that you could imagine mm -hmm. well awesome so uh kyle do you have any uh future projects you want to plug while you're here or any any uh <laughs> any social media that our, our lovely uh listeners can follow you on or uh well i guess uh you know got a few things coming up that i'm working on you know, right now for october working on story for the 40th anniversary of the bombing in beirut um, which is a pretty important story. Uh, I think that'll that's going to turn out pretty good. I'm I'm pretty excited for that one. Um, also, just kind of another, you know, one that's important to me personally. 
uh, later this year, going to do one about uh, marine firefighters. Um, so that'll be that'll be you know, and I, I'm my other my other life uh, outside of writing for Leathernecks is I'm a professional firefighter. So that was one that I told Nancy I wanted to uh, wanted to write about just the those guys that are Marines and firefighters at the same time. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. There, I've got, I've got a bunch of, just, I don't know. I'm still just trying to work through all these ideas in my head. And I feel like I change my story list for Nancy on a daily basis, but those are two it's that in, in my mind that I've got coming up here pretty soon. Well, and where can, sorry, go Nancy. No, I was just going to say, where can, where can people find you on social media or, or, uh, in the world? Where can people find you? I mean, we know where we can find you. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I started kind of my own thing a couple years ago as a, as I guess like a nice, easy way for me to share my writing with other veterans if they wanted to be able to read something, uh, before they agreed to interview me. Uh, so I've got a website, it's called Battlesite Zero, um, it's bzohistory.com. Uh, it's also BZO History on, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever else. Um, but yeah, uh, Pretty much all the stories that I write, I I also publish on my website. Um, try to also put some stuff up, you know, on my social media, just about some of the neat experience that I have, some of the reunions I get to go to, and those sorts of things. Um, which actually, speaking of that, that's actually another thing I, I've got coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, in September, I get to go to Colorado to the Vietnam Tankers Association reunion they're having out there. Uh, Going to finally get to meet in person. Uh, hopefully, as long as he's he's able to come. Uh, Harold Rinchy, who was the uh, Navy Cross recipient from Vietnam that I got to write about, I think back in 2019, um, as well as I'll get to meet in person again, uh, Bob Skeels, who's uh, I've been able to write about him, or he, yeah, I've read about him twice now, uh, once just earlier this year with the 90 right. Days of Grant story. Great story. Um, so yeah, that that's going to be. I'm really excited for that, and I get to meet a bunch of other people out there too. Hopefully. Well, Kyle, thanks for coming on our show. We appreciate having you. Um, before we let you go, guy, ask you, I guess, one of our ceremonial last questions. Uh, that I think you usually like to ask. Uh, what was your best day in the Marine Corps? Boy, my best day in the Marine Corps. It's probably the day that I finally. Well, probably I've I got two that come to mind. The day that I graduated uh, the basic school finally, because I got injured during TBS and I had a back surgery. So the, whatever. So the fact that I was able to finally get out of there uh, was like a very momentous occasion for me. Um, probably the second best day that I have in mind was. Um, when I was getting ready to come off active duty out in California, and uh, we just had a, a nice big cookout with with me and and all the Marines there, and um, we had like a I had a, a roast of all the Marines. So basically, I just got to come up with like all the things that I would have maybe always wanted to say to to the Marines, <laughs> but I couldn't because I was their lieutenant. Uh, that would have been inappropriate. Um, I was able to like finally just kind of roast them all a little bit. So that was that was just a lot of fun. That um, sounds like fun. <laughs> that sounds right, like well, fun. Kyle, thanks again. Um, any everyone, uh, please check out all of his articles on Leatherneck and look forward to seeing you, your uh, 
your future uh, future articles. Yeah, right, you'll come you. back on the show. Come back on the show, right, Kyle? Uh, yeah, that's, okay. that's the plan. Good. Good. All right. Stay safe, audience. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. I am William Truding, but you've also heard the voices or contributions of Vic Rubel, USMC retired, Nancy Lichman, or Ty Frazier. The opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect the official stance of the Marine Corps, DOD, or Marine Corps Association.